Are you seeking meaning beyond work and consumption? Does it sometimes seem that instead of God, money rules the world and runs your life? Welcome to Faith and Money, Making the Connection with Mike Little. We are exploring the many aspects of our relationship with money within the grounding of our faith, our money beliefs, our sense of security, truly loving our families and making a difference in the world. Now, here is your host, Mike Little. Hello, welcome to Faith and Money, Making the Connection. I'm your host, Mike Little, Director of Faith and Money Network. An estimated 5,000 times a day, our children are exposed to an ad that tells them they need one more thing or one more experience to be happy and accepted. That is one ad about every 15 seconds our children are awake. It can make a parent feel really helpless. I mean, what am I supposed to do? Follow my kids around every 15 seconds and say, God loves you just the way you are, or remember, your place in the world is not determined by your stuff. I know that if I would say that, that would drive my kids crazy, and that would earn me the dreaded eye roll. So what is a parent to do? As parents making the connection between faith and money, we know the messages of never enough are toxic to our children's spirits, and will distort their lives. But how do we counterbalance 5,000 ads a day? How do we offer God's life-giving understanding of money when the commercial culture is in the very air we breathe? Our guests today will restore our hope that we can raise our children with a sense of their place in God's economy of enough for all. Our first guest is Susan Taylor. Susan's family talks and walks, however imperfectly, their understanding of God's call to justice and community. Susan and her husband, Andy Loving, are co-owners of Just Money Advisors, a financial planning and investment management practice in Louisville, Kentucky, that specializes in socially responsible and community investing, helping people with their retirement and college planning while investing their money in companies that support their values in the world. Andy and Susan have two children, now 19 and 16, who have been listening to this Faith and Money Connection all of their lives, who have learned a lot and probably taught their parents even more. Welcome, Susan. Thank you. Good to be here. Susan, what led you uh, to decide to actively parent on the connections between faith and money? Andy and I have shared a lifelong commitment to the connections between faith and money because we understand it is central to Christ's gospel. So hearing about faith and money was inevitable for our poor kids. I went to graduate school to study economics only to find out that traditional economics doesn't address the aspects of the economy that matter most. How will our economy serve us with meaningful work and room for community and genuine nurturing for our children and our planet? It's in the connections between faith and money that we find some guidance on those key questions. I went to my first Faith and Money Network workshop in 1987 and wrote my first money autobiography then. And since then, Andy and I have chosen our churches, where we live, and even our work, as you described it in that intro, Mike, uh, even our work we've chosen out of our faith commitments. So my attention on parenting started when I had my own children, of course. Uh, Our daughter is Sarah, uh, the older one, and our son, Walker. Um, my attention was just galvanized. You've probably had the same uh, situation where you're 
in the in a room for the first time with your child when the TV's on and suddenly you're seeing through your child's eyes some image, some an ad or a violent image or a gender stereotype, just something and thinking, no, no, don't look, wait, turn it <laughs> off quick. Yes. And, but once you start to see it, you see it everywhere. All the ads that tell my kids they never have enough at a restaurant that pushes huge portions in their schools with corporate sponsors, at birthday parties where they hire a Hummer limo for a group of nine-year-olds, for heaven's sakes. It's just everywhere, and you can't just turn all that off like a TV. And it matters too much to just ignore it and hope they aren't being affected by it. Of course they are. So I've always felt like my job, however futile it seems sometimes, is to bring it out in the open and just talk about it and help them develop the perspective and tools to live in this culture, but as people who believe in something other than stuff and status. And it's not just your own children you work with on Faith and Money, is that right? Yeah, I've done a few workshops with parents, a couple with high school youth, and more with younger children, focusing on economic justice and money skills through a faith lens. I was motivated to do that at another Faith and Money Network workshop where I was sitting around the table with a group of the most wonderful, thoughtful people, all of us adults, just struggling, struggling with our relationship to money. My kids were about four and two at the same, at that time, and I could just see them at 40 having the same conversation around the same struggles, and that's not what I wanted for them. So I began to wonder, what if we could give our children the tools early in life so they can live healthier lives around money? Well, tell us what you mean by a healthier life around money. Um, I think what I mean is this. So much of our lives are based on choices that are at least in part financial. Our job, our home, how much we move around, how much debt we carry, and a thousand other things. Our children will have to answer all the same questions everybody else does, but I'm convinced they'll like the results better if they ask those questions through the lens of faith. On our job choice, faith asks, does my work actively contribute to the world? On debt, faith asks, well, what is God's call in my life, and can I do that with debt hanging over my head? If not, what's another way to choose the outcome I want? For example, a college education or a wedding or a big enough home. How can I get what I want and need without all the debt? If my children can find another way as they make those kinds of life choices, they'll have a much better chance of staying free from the traps we put ourselves in when we make money decisions unconsciously. When have you seen people kind of trap themselves in those kinds of unconscious decisions? Oh, I'm sure you've seen it, too, all the time. Um, and I see, I see it when it's happened to myself, too. But uh, I, I knew a young college graduate who was devastated that she couldn't take the job she wanted because she was carrying a ton of school debt, she said, and needed a higher income. She had chosen a high-cost school, bought a new car in college, taken a vacation every spring break, and hadn't worked much so she could keep up with her social life. So it was part college debt and part lifestyle debt that was costing her the job she felt called to. Years ago, I had a colleague who was forever sighing at me about how lucky I was to work part-time when my children were small. That Christmas, she bought her three-year-old a train set so large that it took up their entire living room. (laughs) 
The following year, they bought a bigger house because they just couldn't live where they were. Then she worked for a promotion to a job requiring more hours in order to meet the bigger mortgage. I'm oversimplifying a bit, but basically she traded time with her child for a train set, and she never made the connection. The economy is hard enough to manage without trapping ourselves. And all of us fall into those traps sometimes. It doesn't mean we're stupid. All of these are good, smart people trying really hard to do the right thing. They just hadn't made the connections early enough to avoid some of the decisions that they were then kind of locked into. Right, right. So what are some of the key money skills that you've worked with on with your children? Oh, all the standards, of course. Allowance, first jobs, giving money away. Um, In retrospect, I think we tried too hard on some things. For example, we tried those cute little banks to separate their allowance into the money they would give away, save for later, and spend now. It's a great tool for a lot of families, and I don't know what our issue was, but it never worked for us at all. Not only would their money for sharing get mixed up with their money for spending, but our kids' money got mixed up with each other's, and I still don't know how that happened. (laughs) At the time, I considered it an epic fail and just worried, but I should have just relaxed. Sarah and Walker have worked it out for themselves, as you might guess. All they really needed to know about allowance was, if you want that, you need to pay for it out of your allowance, and we did okay on that part for the most part. I wish the giving lessons had stuck better, but I'm trusting they'll work that out as well as they mature. One of my big issues is honesty. I've tried to be honest with them because I want them to be honest. Um, Simple things, like when I find something, I turn it in. It's not mine. Um, When a cashier hands me too much change, I give the extra back, even if it's just two cents. The kids tease me for being too honest, but I hope they're kind of proud of me, too, and I think now they're seeing how it comes back to you. Our daughter's gotten a couple of promotions on her job at a fast food restaurant because it's unusual that she doesn't steal food or money. And I just think that's sad for basic honesty to be unusual. Mm. I also try to be honest in how we talk about money. I almost never say, we can't afford that, because that's rarely true. We could afford most anything we want or need to do. But just because we can afford something doesn't mean we have to have it. So instead I say, we're choosing not to spend our money that way. How empowering is that? They don't have to give in to pressure from friends or advertisers or even the pressure within themselves. On many questions, they can decide how much is enough. I also don't say we can't afford that because I don't want them to think they're, that we're poor. I want them to understand that as children of God, we are inexpressibly rich. And in comparison to most people in the world, we are materially rich. Mm. I want our children to feel the joy and security of God's abundance. Now, I'm not saying that I think God gave us our money. My theology doesn't go there at all. I'm saying that God has provided abundance in nature, in community, and in great love for us. And my kids need to know that they can count on that in their lives. We are rich as children of God. So there, you know, there's my sermon, and I'm all emotional about it now, and certainly was with the kids, but it's turned out to be kind of embarrassing when our daughter, when she was young, would walk around telling everybody how rich we were, and I just wanted to jump in and say, oh, no, we're not rich. We don't want people to think we're rich, right? There's something like too much information about that. Um, so here I was denying what we had just taught her. You can tell I'm as conflicted about money as pretty much everybody else. 
Mm, yes. Hey, folks, we're um, talking about kids and money today. Uh, we have some great guests. We're going to take a quick break. So stay with us and we'll be right back. On Facebook, along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Want the inside scoop about what's going on in the social networks of art and entertainment? Tune in to Star Power Hour, brought to you by 4talent.com. We'll talk to the top professionals in the entertainment industry and find out what they're working on and what's next. Your host is James Barber, who has his finger on the pulse of the arts and entertainment world. Star Power Hour, brought to you by 4talent.com, live every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. Listening to Faith and Money, Making the Connection with Mike Little. To find out more about us, please visit our website at faithandmoneynetwork.org. That's faithandmoneynetwork.org. Now back to Mike Little and this week's show. Susan, I'm uh, interested in how uh, you and Andy uh, teach your kids around money. I'm wondering, have you? constructed special projects or just let the money lessons come out of your daily living? Most of us are too busy to breathe. So the thought of adding one more thing, like a planned activity that teaches money, has less chance of actually happening at my house, at least not often. So I've tried to focus on less rather than more. Not add an activity, but keep, but keep something simpler. We don't spend time shopping, certainly not for entertainment. I didn't plan big birthday parties. Kids do just fine with two hours together at the neighborhood pool and a sleepover, so that meant I didn't have to put together matching invitations and gift bags, the things that cause me stress. (laughs) The teaching tends to happen when we decide whether to buy something or not or how much to give away. One North Carolina family actually had a darts competition to decide how much to give to a particular project. Uh, the mom reported it was the most fun she'd ever had giving away money, and they did it together as a family. Or when we make a little extra effort to support a locally owned business, we explain how it keeps money circulating in the neighborhood instead of going out of state. And that's the best Econ 101 lesson about how markets work that I can offer. On our own, our daughter chose a local credit union for her first bank account. And now that she's ready to get her first credit card, she asked me last week which card is better than others. Some really are better, and good for her to anticipate that, to question what choices are available and not just accept the easiest, most obvious way. Hmm. 
And what about your money lessons through a faith lens? What has been your approach there? Andy and I have a deep commitment to living our faith as part of community. So many of the things I've already mentioned are faith-based choices because they emphasize the well-being of our local and global community. For example, buying fair trade products so the people who produce them are guaranteed a wage sufficient to support their families. And we do it even if we have to pay a little more. For years, our children were convinced that fair trade chocolate tastes much better than what they called regular chocolate. (laughs) And maybe it does, just like your mom's cooking, right? It does taste better with a little love and justice mixed in. Mm -hmm. This economy teaches us to worship at the altar of minimum price and maximum return. And we have accepted that to such an extent that it's become almost a form of idolatry. We feel entitled to the lowest possible price and feel like we're chumps if we don't get that. But I can't even figure out why it matters so much to those of us with more than enough to live on. Why do I need the lowest price on a shirt? So I have money left over to buy more clothes? I've already got too many clothes. It just doesn't make any sense. So Andy and I have emphasized how our financial choices impact everyone involved in the process, God's global community, from what the employees make on the job in Louisville to the person who makes the product in Asia. Mm, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, do you have a success story you could, sh- you could share with us from your parenting? Oh, oh gladly. Uh, they're much more fun to focus on than the failures. <laughs> it was one of my greatest moments ever. Sarah and I were in the car. She was about 14 at the time, and I was just thinking about making the next traffic light, but she was looking out the window, and when we passed the big box discount store that advertises cheaper prices, I heard her say, cheaper for whom? Mm. Yes, I thought, exactly. That's exactly what I want her to know about faith and finance. This past summer, the kids inherited some money for college from a beloved uncle. Still two years away from college, Walker, without any prompting from us, put his savings in a community investment note that makes possible affordable housing, environmental projects, and microfinance loans. Microfinance loans are the very small loans made to very poor people to help them improve their lives. He didn't ask how much more interest he would make at a bank. Uh, in, the, in this interest rate environment, it would be a grand total of $20 or something anyway, but he didn't even care. It wasn't about making the most return. He just wanted to know that the money would be at work in the world until he needs it for school. Those are the moments when I feel we've done well as parents to prepare them for the economy they're living in. It's just a different way of making financial choices. For people of our generation, that kind of choice often takes research and a big shift away from what's considered normal. So that seems difficult and time-consuming. When those choices become his generation's first instinct, we're a serious step further down the road toward an economy that actually serves people. Won't it be exciting to hear what they're talking about at a Faith and Money Network workshop 30 years from now? That's the faith lens of community and justice, of recognizing that there's enough for everyone if we're willing to make conscious decisions and live within some reasonable limits and share what we have. Mm -hmm. That's right. You've mentioned community a, a lot, so I'm guessing you have some support from your local faith community for this kind of parenting, or do you go it alone? Never. (laughs) Uh, We have a lot of support from our local faith community, and I don't think I could have survived parenting to this point without them. Um, Sarah and Walker have grown up with friends who have heard these same priorities from the grounding of faith. 
and you know how it is. Once kids reach a certain age, we parents get really dumb. And the other adults in our church somehow stay smart. So to have their reinforcement has made all the difference as they've uh, moved through the teenage years. Faith and Money Networks also provided a lot of support over the years. I don't have the wisdom or capacity to think through these complex questions on my own, and I sure can't stay motivated to keep swimming against the tide of commercialism and materialism if I were trying to do it by myself. I've just always needed people to talk to um, who are also thinking about these issues and asking good questions, and that just became all the more imperative once I had my kids. Right. So tell us what you still struggle with in parenting around faith and money. I struggle a lot with balancing what I know to be true in God's economy and the practicalities of the economy our kids are actually living in. Um, I, I want to give them that faith grounding, but I don't want them stuck in some kind of unrealistic idealism, um, if that makes sense. So, you know, where do you find that balance uh, within God's economy and the actual economy? So, for example, the guidance counselors school just push about having more activities on their high school resumes to help them get in a good college. In my heart, I don't believe in overscheduling ourselves. It's that concept of Sabbath, right? Mm-hmm. I want them to have some time to just be because that's what it takes to cultivate that sense that we are enough and we do enough and we are loved just like we are. But I find myself really torn by that college entrance argument and sometimes wish they would just join another club. Mm-hmm. But, you know, really, why am I so worried? The, why do I worry about what college they get into? So they'll have a higher-paying job so they can buy more stuff? Now, there's some really good reasons that I might want my children to have a particular education, but I had better be asking the questions. Is it about stuff and status, or is it really about my children's best fit in the world and where they can become all they were created to be? Right. Right. How have your children taught you about faith and money? Oh, you know, my like all the children of Lake Wobegon, mine are above average, and they're, <laughs> right. you know, they're wise. Uh, they're wise ways in the world have taught me a lot. They do teach me things all the time: uh, generosity, a lack of attachment to their stuff, being open to thinking of things in different ways. Walker's really helped me become a more gracious receiver. He's always wanted to make sure I have things that I like, even to the point of buying me some things outside a reasonable budget for a child. Mm. But I've learned to quit trying to protect him with, oh, no, really, sweetie, you don't need to do that, and instead give him an enthusiastic, thank you, son, I appreciate that. That was tough for me. I've been much more about giving than receiving. Uh, Sarah will give away pretty much anything she has, which on occasion has been really aggravating. What do you mean you gave away that gift from your grandmother? But when I stop and think, uh, there's really great beauty in her ability to let things flow in and out of her life. She truly models that God's gifts need to circulate and pass from one person to another. So I've grown a lot through my kids. I've been willing to deal with my own baggage around money better because it matters to do the work on their behalf. You know, it helps to see things through their eyes, even if some of those things are my own inconsistencies that I'd rather not look at. Mm. So 
So the heart, the heart of the issue for us is really in cultivating a sense of enough. How much is enough? Enough stuff, enough space, enough achievement, enough experiences. Mm-hmm. Teaching this is difficult because we often don't have that sense of enough within ourselves. Right. But that's the journey, isn't it, Mike? Yeah, it sure is. Well, thank you, Susan, uh, for taking the time to speak with us. It sure helps to hear that we can affect how our children perceive what's important about money, not the stuff and status, but the caring and community, even if we don't model it perfectly. So thank you for joining us. Thank you. Our next guests, Caroline and Jason Bernhardt Lanier, make focus connections between faith and money with their four children now ages 17, 15, 12, and 9. Their creativity and consistency may inspire your family to take some steps together to live out the values of your faith in your family's financial life and decision-making. Thank you, Caroline and Jason, for being with us today. Welcome. Thank you, Mike. It's wonderful Thank you, Mike. to be with you. Hey, what, tell us a little bit about your background. Do uh, each of you bring, what do you bring to this faith and money question? Were you raised in homes that were affluent, not so affluent? What were some of the key money messages that you brought into parenting? Mike, I came, um, in terms of my background, I came from a upper middle class, uh, well-educated family. Um, my father was a surgeon. My mother uh, worked as a guidance counselor, and being Christian meant uh, sharing resources of time and and money both. Uh, My parents would uh, tithe and and tell us that they were tithing uh, 10% in their tradition. Uh, We also would go to medical mission trips in which my father would uh, do surgery on people in different parts of the world, and my mother would help translate, and 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 uh, I also, in that background, um, had the, received the message that there was, uh, that one had to earn one's money, that there were no shortcuts. In fact, there were times where I, it was only through blood, sweat, and tears uh, that money could be earned in an honest way. Um, I grew up uh, with a sense that I had enough, and perhaps it was that that also, and the faith background of that family, that gave me the courage to pursue a profession that uh, uh, was out of call um, mm-hmm. and not out of money and status. Yeah. How about you, Caroline? Um, that lived between Paris, France, where my father's French, and New York City. Um, and the example I got was one of, of hospitality and generosity um, and also frugality um, in a weird, funny kind of mix. Uh, we, my, the money mantra I got from an earlier stage was money doesn't grow on trees, so a little mm-hmm. bit of an insecurity around money. Um, but at the same time, we had a, a, lifestyle, a certain lifestyle with a full-time living maid um, and a, you know, certain entertaining and uh, trips uh, but then on the other hand, we never wasted a bit of food, and getting new clothes was a huge deal. And so there, it was a little confusing as a child, really. Um, but certainly I had the example of a real commitment to church. Um, and from the earliest age, a sense of, 
of responsibility or of openness to the poor. And I'm not sure really where that came from, but I do have memories of saving my $2 allowance and all my bus money, my lunch money. I would run the 23 blocks up to school instead of taking the bus and send all that to World Vision because I'd seen some advertisement on TV, the commercial of starving orphans in Africa or something. And, and so there was a sense in me of, of sensitivity to that at an early age. Um, and then in college, I had some really, that's where theologically I made the connection between faith and money and had some transformative experiences. Um, and my first instinct was to reject my heritage completely and to be very judgmental of wealth and it was a time of real inner, inner conflict and, and feeling really guilty, a lot of guilt for having that safety net, for not doing enough, in, in, you know, faced with so much injustice in the world. Um, and that lasted for a while, and it was really imprisoning. It, it was really a sense of not being free around, around money at all. And in fact, I, I have a, an item that symbolized that, that, that struggle. It was really a, it was a French provincial chair that my mother had given me, pink and green plaid, and it just represented for me all this, all that was wrong with the world and all that was wrong with my family and all that I wasn't doing. And for a really long time, I avoided that chair. And, and uh, it took me a really long uh, journey to, to be able to embrace this tension in my life and to feel a little bit more free and, um, and to begin to be less attached to all this. And uh, so now I sit in the chair every once in a while. <laughs> good, good. Hey, folks, we're talking about faith and money and raising kids and we'll be right back we're going to take a quick break so stay with us live up to your fullest potential this is the voice america empowerment channel When you make decisions, do you ever find yourself in doubt? Are you trying to figure out what's right with you? Are you ready to truly change your life? Listen for the Access Consciousness Radio Show with the founders of Access Consciousness, Gary Douglas and Dr. Dane Here. Consciousness is all about including everything and judging nothing. Our program will help you break free from your personal limitations and enhance positive change in all areas of your life. Tune in to Access Consciousness, Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Ready for a unique two-show-in-one package? Check out Life's Journey with Tim Manson, the 7-Minute Motivator. On the one part, we're all about changing minds, one heart at a time. Tim will show you how to overcome struggles in your life and come out winning, as Tim is overcoming his struggle with MS. On the flip side, Tim will show you how the power and spirit of the horse and equine-assisted learning programs can inspire and empower you to take that winning edge to a new level. It really is two shows in one. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com listening to Faith and Money, Making the Connection with Mike Little. To find out more about us, please visit our website at faithandmoneynetwork.org. That's faithandmoneynetwork.org. Now back to Mike Little and this week's show. 
Jason and Caroline, what do you most want your children to know about money and how do you go about teaching that to them? Uh, we, uh, we both want our children to know that money is neither good nor bad. Um, we both want them to know that everyone needs to develop intentionality and consciousness around our habits and assumptions. Um, you know, for example, uh, we've spoken with her 12-year-old and had conversations. Does she need a smartphone, an iPhone at this time when all her friends have it? Um, but again, to develop um, intentionality and consciousness about those choices. Uh, connecting the two, um, faith and money, um, my hope is that the ch- my children will, or our children will develop uh, three, three things. We call them the three C's, uh, connection, courage, and capability. Um, as for connection, we uh, desire for them to uh, connect with God in unique ways, um, to trust and have a sense of belonging. And also that, as Susan said, being uh, part of God's global family and therefore related to and responsible for um, our brothers and sisters across the world and being able to relate with compassion and empathy. The second is courage. Um, Really the courage to do the right thing with integrity in the face of all our cultural and societal pressures. Um, My son Thomas, for example, who's now uh, 16, going on 17, uh, he his lesson of courage was learning to ask for money for a social venture called Global Villagers, where he sought to raise $10,000 to drill a well for a friend of his in, in a village in the um, Democratic Republic of Congo. And to, again, do this kind of work to learn how to ask, learn how to raise money, for example, in a society that says kids can't and don't make change or one doesn't ask friends for money. The third C, capability. Um, My desire is that connecting faith and money will uh, enable them to develop specific skills uh, and training, whether it's in how to earn, whether it's in how to spend, how to give, how to save. And my desire is that through the, you know, through the three C's, connection, courage, and capability, that they will benefit. They will allow flow in their lives. They will feel free and less attached. Hmm. Seems like your, uh, the key mode of teaching is kind of, living out the message and, and modeling how to connect your money and your faith. And uh, I know that we're all still doing our own work on our relationship to money and uh, as parents making choices and from the grounding of our faith. How can I hope to model well for my children if I'm still doing my own spiritual work? Do I, I always wonder this, do I need to have all my own money issues worked out before I can, I can expect to effectively model faithful money choices? What do you think about that? 
Yeah, I think, as you said, um, Mike, that it is an ongoing process. It really is a journey. I don't think it's ever finished. Um, and this is a journey we can really share with our children. Um, I've really appreciated the times that we can um, make, you know, have a, have a family conversation about how do we decide how we're going to share the money we tithe, um, you know, what kind of organizations, what kind of individuals that we, you know, we know that we'd like to contribute to, you know, how frequently do we go out to eat, what is, what is in line with, with our values and our budget and, and the relationships we have in our lives, where to go on vacation, um, what to buy as Christmas gifts, what kind of, of uh, ways will all this connect what we believe as Christians. Um, so I, I do think having it be a participatory process um, has worked well for us. Um, and I think at the same time, as, parent, as parents, we also have to be willing to do our own work um, to really examine our relationship with money. Uh, for me, it's been really helpful to, to do some work with a pastoral counselor at times and, and also with a spiritual director, uh, because as I, I shared at the beginning, I had some complicated feelings of, of guilt and around money and and then love for all my extended family, and, and also a real desire, a deep desire to be in solidarity with people um, on the margins of society. So how to reconcile all that and, and make it part of my story in a way that um, could be deeply faithful. Um, and then I think also, the, as, as Susan talked about, the importance of having a community to, to support you in your journey and in your family's journey is, is huge. Mm. You, you both mentioned uh, how you're... Uh, own faith walks have shaped your lives. How does that faith shape what you teach your children about money? And do you make that faith foundation explicit when you talk about money with them? How do you handle that? Yeah. Oh, we try to make it as explicit as possible. Um, and I think for us, I mean, we see being a follower of Jesus um, uh, a journey to finding our true selves, and that that those tr- that true self is found when we are engaged in building God's kingdom. And by that, I mean bringing more justice, more healing, more hope to the world, being able to share in the suffering of those who who are suffering too, Um, and that we're all invited to this journey, and that money can either help or get in the way. And that's really what we continuously have to discern. For a while, I thought money was always getting in the way, but actually not at all. It's not that simple. And how how to connect our building the kingdom with you know, how we spend our money. Um, I really like this author, Janine Roth, who writes, um, and I'm just going to quote her right now, our relationship with money is a perfect mirror for every belief we have about being alive. Mm, um, and, she, yeah. and, and I just think that's, it is true that our beliefs, that if we, looked at, if we want a clear picture of our priorities in life, uh, we really could look at our checkbooks or our credit card bills or our bank statement to see, you know, who we are and what we care about. Um, and that's, and yeah. in, in that, yeah. you know, how we think about and spend money really reflects also what we believe about abundance and scarcity and our own worth and mm. even grace. Right, right. I love I that quote. Mm-hmm. And I, I know we, um, we have a story in our family, and as, as you know, stories are a wonderful way to, to connect with, as a parent with, with, uh, with children and there's a story we tell our children um, um, about a Honduran campesino leader uh, named Martir. And uh, we worked with Martir in the mountains of Honduras in a remote village on a 
mountain called El Limon uh, during one college spring break. And uh, we tell our children uh, this story, and we say, you know, so we were down by the river, and we were carrying these cinder blocks that uh, had been dropped off at the river, and that we had raised money before to help buy these supplies, and uh, we were walking up the mountain, and uh, we were sweating, and had bandanas on, and sunglasses, and uh, Martyr, the name of our guide and the leader of the village, who was uh, leading the line up the up this path, um, of course, saw that we were sweating and tired, and he wasn't. But he stopped, and he he stopped to give us a break. And so we all sat down, and he looked at us, and the sky was beautiful and blue, and clouds were, you know, fluffy white. And he said, uh, "Do you know why you're here?" And there was a pause and a reflection, and. And he said, well, you, some of you may think you're here to build a community center with us. But let me tell you what we're really doing here together. And he said, we're building the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And we t- tell my kids, ah, you know, that put it all in perspective. Mm. Yeah, that's a beautiful story. What do you... You know, with all the cultural stuff we're up against and the lifestyle that that is around us that we see on the media everywhere, how do you teach your children the connection between their lifestyle and the well-being of other people in the world? I'm guessing that story is is a big one. Yeah, and I do think it's through relationships. I mean, we can talk all the theory we want or read all the scripture we want, but I think it is through relationships with with real life people. <laughs> and yeah. you know, as Jason said, we first met in college when we were leading this team of students to Honduras. Um, and, and then after we got married, we lived in Bolivia um, for a few years as, as uh, volunteers working with, with orphans and street children. So this is really part of our family story. And while today we live in a very wealthy suburban neighborhood close to our kids' school, I think the relationships we have with people from different parts of the world and dif- different economic backgrounds and different racial backgrounds, um, is what really keeps us mindful of our privilege um, and what really influences our financial choices and, and makes us want to remain connected to these, to these individuals and, and in relationship with them because I think we, we really need them to be whole and to be um, consistent. And, and one of the things that we've done, Mike, as... Um parents that's been an incredible gift and blessing to us um, uh, here in our affluent neighborhoods we have um, enjoyed welcoming and, and connecting with um, for example uh, Eddie is a street youth whom we met in Bolivia when we did some work there and uh, subsequently invited him to live with us here in the U.S. Um, which in his particular case made sense, and and um, he has been a part of our lives. His he's the godfather of our first uh, daughter and eldest daughter, and his two children at dinner with us every other Friday. And so, our life has been um, uh, connected in relationship. Um, you know, even here, um, also. Uh, an immigrant couple from uh, Chad uh, named Rose and Francois 
uh, lived with us for a while and continue to be a part of our lives. And so um, our children, you know, in addition to our having experiences elsewhere, our children have been able to have their lives uh, connected in relationship with, with these other friends and family members of ours. Um, mm. And, in, you know, in addition, we've been intentional about uh, first taking our, our two boys to a village in Costa Rica where we shared life with, um, with the community there, uh, working and celebrating together. And we anticipate doing that uh, in the next year or so with our, with our girls. Mm, that's great. And I think in some uh, ways we see ourselves as a bridge between worlds, um, which can be very complicated and can be very, very um, enriching. Um, our son Nicholas has compared it, you know, he said, uh, okay, so, because I was asking him some questions or thinking about this, and he said, well, imagine a Venn diagram with two overlapping circles. And he said we were sort of in the middle, on the one hand, able mm. to be connected to people with very limited opportunities, and then also be connected with people who have abundant opportunities to, yeah. to fulfill their potential, as Killian knows says. Mm-hmm. That's very wise. Uh, hey, folks, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we'll be right back. Stay with us. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. It's time to empower our kids so they can make the best decisions now and later in life. Listen for I Am For Kids Radio with host Mark Papadis. Mark is the founder of the I Am For Kids Foundation, which is a recognized 501c3 charity committed to revolutionizing elementary education in the U.S. Our show helps kids, teachers, and parents to realize the power of identity and help each of us decide who we are and our place in the world. I Am For Kids Radio is heard live Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in every week for the Wellness Lounge, a step further with host Desiree Watson. Our program empowers you to incorporate a wellness lifestyle into your life, supported by a diverse selection of guests, including physicians, athletes, and education and government professionals, while helping you realize the connection between mind, body, and spirit. You'll achieve a personal edge in injury avoidance, stress management, and personal development. The Wellness Lounge, a step further, airs Mondays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Listening to Faith and Money, Making the Connection with Mike Little. To find out more about us, please visit our website at faithandmoneynetwork.org. That's faithandmoneynetwork.org. Now back to Mike Little and this week's show. Jason and Caroline, what things do you feel you've done well with your children around money questions, and maybe what things do you feel you haven't done so well on? Yeah, well, I think one thing that I have appreciated that we've been able to um, cultivate and sort of a practice we've instilled on a, on a weekly basis is um, is a practice of gratitude. Um, and sometimes that looks like a, just a prayer before meals maybe where we go around and each person 
tries to list the things they're grateful for and thank God for them. Um, and then something else we do at a regular Sunday night family meeting is um, we call it appreciations. Uh, it's a sort of a ritual where we share with each other the things that we um, are grateful for and that we have noticed and um, that we uh, have, have seen the positive things and the blessings that we've seen f- through each other. Um, and so it might sound like Thomas telling Jason, I appreciate that you spent so much time in the car driving me to my game and then didn't have any time to rest for yourself. Or the little one, Celine, might say to her brother, thank you for helping me with my English homework on Tuesday, even though you had a big history test the next day. Or, you know, um, I might say to Celine, I appreciate how you thought about calling Grandma after school and gave her a lot of joy by, by asking her about her day. Um, so, so it's a way to really recognize the, when we are putting into practice uh, the values of generosity, of honesty, of um, intentionality. And, um, and our, our kids really have grown to love this, and it can go on for a while with six of us involved. Um, <laughs> but I think it helps them pay more attention to the blessings and the gifts around them. And, um, and often when many of us are becoming whiny or complaining or dissatisfied or entitled, and that includes us parents, um, we usually know it's a good. It's time for a good round of these appreciations. Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Jason, you want to talk about what we haven't done so well? Yeah, sure. I mean, I, boy, I think there are a lot of things we we can improve on. But I, you know, a couple that I think we uh, can become more mindful um, about reducing our environmental impact. I think. Um, in terms of money, and we think of it broadly in terms of assets and resources. I think um, saving on electricity, not wasting food, um, minimizing having to use our car uh, for gas, you know, and, and, and gas, turning off lights. Um, I think is one way that um, I think we could. Um, we haven't done so well, and there are opportunities to learn about faith and money through the stewardship of our environment. Um, and I think the other thing that comes to mind was at times it would be in the realm of gift giving. You know, we have a come from traditions where often love means more wrapped gifts. And so, um, I think, uh, making gifts more intentional and being, um, more careful about, um, finding a gift that has a particular meaning is something that we can also work on. Well, Carolyn and Jason, thank you so much for sharing with us today. It's so clear how much you love your children and how much time and effort you're willing to invest in connecting faith and money with them. You've given us some very tangible ideas about how to model living in God's economy and some ways we can more thoughtfully integrate gratitude and service into our family lives. So thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. Great. Thank, thank you, Mike. You. It was a joy. So let's think through some of these tangible ideas, action steps we can take in our own families as we make the multi-generational connections between faith and money. Our first action step today is to help you reflect on your own relationship to money, explicitly considering the children within your household. A special supplement to our money autobiography, Parenting Faith and Money, is available on our website, faithandmoneynetwork.org. Our attitudes and assumptions about money often remain unexamined, yet they are reflected in our economic choices. They are there for our children of all ages to see and absorb and repeat. Some of these attitudes and behaviors are helpful to our children, others are not. 
Either way, if we are aware of our own feelings and actions around money, we can more intentionally communicate with our children, giving them tools to deal with their own feelings about money, related issues, and to make choices consistent with their faith and values. The second action step is to confront the commercials in your children's lives. With children of all ages, games often engage them better than sermonettes. So when you watch a program together and a commercial comes on, turn down the volume and make up your own words that make explicit the message that the advertisers has, have hidden. Things like, you'll be miserable the rest of your life if you don't own this toy, or you won't ever have any friends if you don't wear our shoes, or just be goofy as you act out new content. The sillier, the better. Our third action step today gets us out of the living room and into the world. Most kids, or we adults too for that matter, don't realize how much we have compared to other people. We usually compare ourselves to people we hang out with, who tend to have as much as we do, or with wealthy families that we see on TV with giant houses and grand vacations and no apparent jobs. To get some perspective on just how much we already have, spend some time with your children at your town's shelter for homeless families. Your kids will see other kids with little more than the clothes on their backs, moving from school to school as the family searches for affordable housing. Many family shelters have ways to volunteer from helping to serve a meal to tutoring. It's amazing. It's an amazing way to get some perspective on how little some people get by on and to develop relationships with people who have so much less but are just as beloved by God as our own children are. If you'd like to talk further about parenting around faith and money, we'd love to hear from you. My email address is mike at faithandmoneynetwork.org. If you want a longer, deeper conversation, we offer money mentoring. It's a one-on-one spiritual uh, conversation, spiritual companionship for parents and others who are exploring the connections between faith and money. We invite you to learn more about us on our website, faithandmoneynetwork.org, and sign up to receive our newsletter by email. Let us know about your joys and challenges by sending me an email, mike at faithandmoneynetwork.org. We'll be praying for your work and ask that you pray for ours as well. Thank you for sharing this time with us today. You are now part of the Faith and Money Network, joining together to live into God's economy of enough for all, of solidarity and of action grounded in love. Blessings on the journey. Thank you for joining us this week on Faith and Money, Making the Connection. Please tune in again next Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time, for another edition with your host, Mike Little, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Take a step this week to let your faith shape your money choices. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.